Friday, everyone. Good to be with you this morning. Very excited to get into this section of the book of Ephesians chapter 3 with you. Um, I mean, Ephesians is just a riveting book through and through anyway, but we're in a, an especially rich section this morning that will say some things that perhaps will sound paradoxical, but what they're meant to do actually is to help us understand the, the uh, immensity uh, the magnificence of, of our God, particularly of the love of God uh, and what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. He wants to do for his people and by his people. And so I'm excited to get into Ephesians chapter 3 with you today. If you have a Bible and you're following along, certainly encourage you to turn there and encourage you to uh, get a, a notebook and a pen out and uh, be able to follow along. Uh, some of you are 
perhaps getting ready for work this morning during the live broadcast. Others may be listening uh, in uh, on your way to work or later in the day, either on Facebook, YouTube, or via podcast. Uh, so you might not be able to get out your Bibles, but that's all right. Uh, we're going to be reading for you word for word, verse by verse, working our way through this passage, sharing commentary along the way, things uh, hopefully which will fortify uh, and edify your lives. Uh, if you're not yet a believer in Christ, perhaps things that we share today will will draw you to the point where you go, it's reasonable to follow Christ, and we believe uh, it's not only a spiritual uh, response, but it's also a reasonable response to choose to follow Christ. For those that are Christians already, followers of Christ, that you would just learn together with me uh, how we can follow Christ better. So I'm going to get us into the text this morning, and I do say good morning to all those that are joining live during this hour. And uh, Let's uh, let's get ourselves over into the text here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth has derived its name. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth has derived its name. So we begin with the words, for this reason. For what reason? Uh, for the reasons that Paul has stated earlier in this chapter, uh, for the reasons that Paul has stated earlier uh, in this book, uh, just the idea of of the the mystery of God, uh, which is revealed through the gospel of Jesus, something that is made known to people uh, through the workings of the Spirit. Uh, for this reason. The reason that in him and through him we have faith and the ability to approach God with freedom and confidence up in verse 12. And he says, therefore, in verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Sometimes suffering results in glory. Sometimes we think, I don't want to have suffering in my life, but God can use suffering to do glorious, glorious, glorious things. and. Uh, to just understand that, that suffering can have an outcome that glorifies God and an outcome that not only glorifies God, but an outcome that is good for you as well. And so in verse 14, Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Paul earlier said in, uh, in this very chapter uh, that he was praying for them. Paul regularly says to the people to whom he writes, I am praying for you. Uh, and so he says the same thing in verse 13. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. I, I want to talk about prayer posture for just a moment. Now, I believe we can pray with our eyes open. Most often here during this broadcast, I will pray with my eyes open. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to pray with your eyes closed. Sometimes the practice of closing our eyes is so we can kind of tune out the other stuff and focus strictly on God. Sometimes we think, well, the spiritual thing is you close your eyes and you pray, but it's nowhere found in Scripture that, that I have found anyway uh, that says you should close your eyes when you pray. Um, you can pray with your eyes open. You can pray with your eyes closed. 
Uh, you can pray in a quiet, uh, secluded, serene place. Uh, you can pray as you're driving down the highway. Again, keep your eyes open. Uh, you can pray as you're working. Uh, you can pray as you're reclining at your uh, in your living room, in your recliner. You can pray at the uh, dining room table. Uh, you can pray at your desk. Uh, we can pray anywhere and everywhere, and most often as we're going about life in and having a prayer life, uh, we're we're integrating prayer into the rhythm of, of our day. Uh, but sometimes it is helpful, sometimes it is beneficial to change our posture. And one of the things that, that Paul has said here, now is he speaking metaphorically, I, I kneel, or is he speaking that he actually physically gets down on his knees and prays. I, I believe it's the latter. I believe that Paul most likely got on his knees and prayed before God. Uh, sometimes you might kneel before your couch, not before your couch, but beside your couch. You kneel before God at your couch. Uh, you might kneel beside your bed and pray. Uh, you might kneel. I had a lady come up to the front of our uh, uh worship center on Sunday and knelt uh, down at the, at the front as though there were an altar there. So we, we prayed, she prayed in that place, but to kneel, sometimes changing the posture does something to our psyche. Sometimes it does something to us spiritually to humble ourselves before God, to kneel before God. It some Somehow, in some way, it seems to create some union with God that uh, might not exist when we're sitting behind the steering wheel of our car, as an example. Another posture of prayer that we might take is the posture of lying down, uh, face down. Uh, you might do that out in the grass. You might do that uh, uh, if you have a nice uh, carpet in your living room. You might do it in your living room, but to to lay yourself out uh, prostrate yourself before God in that way. That is another posture of prayer. I think these things are all good uh, and uh, absolutely good postures. You can pray standing in a circle. I'm just looking over my shoulder here at uh, comments uh, that uh, are being given over in the comment section. Says we can pray even while stuffing a pig. Yes, some of us uh, football team from Belfast Area High School came to help set up for an event uh, that's taking place at the Simmons Farm here in Morrill. It's on the Weymouth Road, um, Simmons Maple Farm, uh, Simmons and Daughters Farm on the Weymouth Road uh, right here in Morrill uh, to raise funds for the principal. Uh, and his family of Belfast High School, whose son has cancer, uh, fundraiser event taking place tomorrow. Uh, I believe it starts at 4 o'clock, 4 to 6. Come get yourself some pulled pork uh, and some other tasty foods like hobo stew. Uh, I don't know if they're having cornbread or rolls, uh, um, coleslaw. Uh, but come on out tomorrow night to the Simmons Farm. This event is being put on by Faith Temple uh, and the Simmons. Faith Temple out of Belfast, Route 52. And um, Pastor Art Fairbrother and his church putting this event on. I encourage you to come out and come out and, and plan to be generous. Uh, you know, uh, 
you might say, well, here's 10 bucks, but if you can afford to put in a hundred, put in a hundred, let's uh, support uh, the ministry outreach being done uh, through uh, um, Faith Temple, the Simmons Farm, uh, to minister to uh, the family uh, there in Belfast Area High School. Great thing to do. I uh, just want to encourage you to participate in that if you're local. If you're not local, sorry. Go find yourself a, a, some pulled pork somewhere and dream about it. Uh, and I mean, you could probably find a way to, to send some funding, a gift if you're not local. If you wanted to send a gift, you could probably do that as well. So we prayed. We gathered around the two pigs that were being stuffed last night. Those that were working kept their eyes open. Others of us perhaps closed our eyes. We prayed just for God's blessing on this event. So, uh, yes, you can pray even while stuffing a pig. I, I would be somewhat suspect of uh, uh, a Christian neurosurgeon. I would just say, now, when you pray, you will pray with your eyes open, correct? I mean, I don't want someone poking around in my head. I have enough problems with my head, let alone having someone poking around in there and uh, praying with their eyes closed. So prayer posture, that, that's what we kind of have talked about here for the last few minutes uh, out of verse 14. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And what what is that name? Well, that name that is derived is, is the name Christian. We, we are called Christians, uh, followers of Christ, followers of the way. I, I think we need to take back the term from culture, we need to take back the term from media and not be ashamed to be calling ourselves Christian. And and I've gone through a number of different years uh, thinking, hmm, I, I don't know if I want to use the word Christian because it's been so mired in the media, it's been so mired in culture. We have mired it ourselves. Uh, you know, mire is like mud, stinky icky, yucky mud, and we have kind of mudded our own names sometimes and our own hypocrisies uh, among ourselves as Christian. I, I don't want to lay the blame out at the media or out at culture and not also be willing to uh, assume for us some of our own blame that, that perhaps we make a bad name for our king. But what if we could make a good name for our king and how we live our lives? It, it said in verse 15, it said, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I mean, you say, now, what about this, this, this idea of in heaven and on earth? Well, everybody that has died, that's a believer, has gone on to be present with the Lord. Uh, all of them, they're our family. Uh, everybody around the globe who, who legitimately claims the name of Christ as, as Savior and Lord, who has received him, who has believed in his name, to all of them, he gives the right to be called Christian. So God's whole family on heaven and on earth derives its name from our Father. He has given us the name Christian. And it goes on in verse 16, and he says even more, I pray that out of, and again, here we go, the Apostle Paul doing as Paul does, uh, adding adjective to adjective, descriptor to descriptor, adverb to adverb, uh, to to strengthen and fortify and clarify 
what he has to say. It says in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. God is not lacking with ability to strengthen you. God is not lacking with ability to give you power in your inner person. So when he speaks about the riches, the riches of his power, the riches of his strength, the riches of his ability, the riches of his love, and they're not just riches. They are glorious riches. You can put down bronze. You can put down silver. You can put down gold. You can put down diamonds, and perhaps they they increase in value as you go, at least by the world's standard. Well, the glorious riches are, are, are the greatest riches, the riches of heaven, the riches of God himself doing his work in your life. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. And that's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for you if you've had back troubles That's my prayer for you if you've had marriage troubles. That's my prayer for you if you've had discouragement troubles. That's my prayer for you if you have physical troubles. That's my prayer for you if if you're having some mental slippage troubles. Uh, That's my prayer for you, whatever your trouble, whatever your trial, whatever your tribulation, whatever your temptation that you're going through, I pray that out of his glorious riches for you, that he will strengthen you with power by his spirit in your inner being. That is what it says, that he would strengthen you uh, with his glorious power in your inner being. Not just an outward like jolt of, uh, you know, a caffeinated uh, energy drink or something like that, but, but really deep down in your being that he would strengthen you uh, in that way. This is glorious riches through the power of his spirit. And and in this translation, spirit is capitalized. uh, At least the S is capitalized. I might capitalize every single letter of spirit just to remind you that his spirit wants to strengthen you from the inside out. You've got it. You've got to pause. You've got to pray. You've got to confess You've got a desire. You've got to open your heart to God. You've got to surrender. Uh, you, you have to acknowledge weakness. You have to acknowledge the need of help. But as you acknowledge God, as you sit before God, as you, as, as you receive from God, as you open your hands to God, then God can do this with you. It is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. It is my prayer for you that you may be strengthened with power in your inner being. Lord, even now I I pray that you would strengthen my friends, that you would strengthen my listeners, whether whether during this live hour or some other time, that you would strengthen them in their inner being. That today, Lord, we would look to you for strength, that we would look to you for power, that we would look to you for help, that we would say, as David said, you are my rock, you are my fortress, you are my God, Uh, that we would hold that type of faith, that type of belief, that we might find ourselves strengthened in our inner being. Lord, that's that's my prayer. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for 
for my friends. That's my prayer for myself. And Lord, may your people all the more be strengthened in relationship with you as we seek to abide in you, as seek to live in you. And then it says in verse 17 that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. Lord, it's our prayer that Christ would be dwelling in our hearts. It's, it's my prayer that Christ would, would drip off of our lives more and more, that as we get to know you, get to understand the, the incomparable nature of your love, that we would simply uh, just trust in you and see you strengthening us, even in discouraging times, Lord, that we would experience your strength, even in uncertain times, even in times that we're not totally sure what we ought to say, that we would look to you for your words, for your guidance, for your help, Lord, that you would dwell in our hearts through faith. So, Lord, even in the midst of the teaching, we're talking to you, engaging with you, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. Uh, and as we read in the passage that uh, goes on and says that we would be rooted and established in love. Lord, root us. Establish us in love. You know, we, we can be uh, rooted and established in all kinds of things. We, we can be rooted and established in books that we read. We can be rooted and established in, in uh, our own processes of reasoning, which actually can... Uh, be deceitful a little bit um, and misleading and even reach wrong conclusions. But to be rooted and established in love. You know, he, Paul could have said any number of things. He, he could have been said rooted and established in your thinking. Now, Paul kind of, we talked about that in the book of Colossians, some in chapter 2, but rooted and established in love. Does the love of God pervade your being? The love that God has for you, that right now, where you are, if you are discouraged, that you would let God love you. He wants to reach out to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you on the inside out. Would you respond to his love? Would you receive his love? Would his love be rooted and established in you? We have looked before at the book of Romans chapter 5 that reminds us of this in verse 5. Let me show you. Hope does not disappoint us. Hope that comes from God does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, I would have to go back and, and study this a little bit more to, to see the, the force of the, the, the original language here, but I believe it is a case that God continues to pour out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God, just like a steady stream flooding our souls, being poured out. Now, we we have to receive that love. We have to respond to that love. We have to be open to that love. We cannot close ourselves off to that love. If we will live in faith, if we will live in the pursuit of God, if we will practice the presence of Christ in our lives and in all that we do, then God will pour out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So back to Ephesians chapter 3 and what it is saying here down at verse 17. 
that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And it's interesting, again, we do see uh, some of that great triad that Paul speaks of frequently. He speaks of faith, and here is faith in verse 17. He speaks of love, and he speaks of hope. He brings those three things together. Faith in Christ enables us to experience the love of Christ that then produces within us the hope of Christ. So Paul says, so I is so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. I just love the verbiage here to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Notice how what it says. I mean, have power. It, it isn't. It isn't just a case of, of mental ascent. I mean, to have you ever started like counting a large jar of coin or maybe several large jars of coin or let's take like a 50-gallon uh, plastic barrel full of pennies? You, you would start to feel like, will I ever get there? Will I ever understand how many are here? And and that's kind of the thing that, that we're talking about, that you might have power. It requires uh, power from the Spirit to begin to understand the, the immensity of the love of God. So again, Paul, in his prayer, this is a prayer to pray for people. This is a prayer to pray for yourself. This is a prayer to pray for your disciples. If you're discipling somebody, this is a place to take them, to show them what you want them to experience, that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp. And look at this, how high, how long, I'm sorry, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? I mean, we're not just talking a a two-dimensional love of Christ. Uh, We're talking 3D. We're talking perhaps even 4D going into the spiritual realm, but but, but width and length and height and depth, the the implication of this verse being that, that it is just absolutely so immense. In fact, Paul goes on in verse 19 to say, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I mean, it, 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 this sounds like an oxymoron, does it not? To know this love that surpasses knowledge, to know something that you can't know. Well, Paul's not saying you can't know it. Paul's not saying you can't experience it. But what Paul is saying is the more you know it, the more you experience, the more surpassingly great you understand it is, and and, and the fact that it is broader and deeper and wider and higher and uh, th- than you can even begin to fathom. It is a love that goes beyond our ability to fully comprehend. That is God's love for you. You can't comprehend just how much he loves you. Now, now you might in, in your life today be going, well, wait, I, I've got struggles. Where's the love of God in that? I've got problems. I've got pains. Uh, I've got all these things. Where's God's love? Well, turn to God's love. Look to God's love. Believe in God's love. God does love you immensely, and the love that he has for you it goes, and there's another word, infinite. God loves you infinitely. Now, can we disappoint? Sure. Uh, can we miss the mark? Absolutely. That's why we say 
as Christians, we need God every day. That, that, that's why as Christians, we say we have to turn to Christ every day because we need him all the time. It isn't like, oh, you become a Christian, bam, life is all good. No, you become a Christian and, and the struggles of life continue. And we, But now we look to God. We engage with God. We trust in God for what God will do. Verse 19, again, this is just a powerful little section of Scripture about the love of God to know this love that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You ever think about that? To be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, we tend to think, well, I'm Christian. I go to church. I've got my Bible but God wants to fill you to, to, to a full measure. God wants you to overflow with himself. God wants you to be surrendered to him. God wants you to surrender your, your mind to him. God wants you to surrender your heart to him. God wants you to surrender your, your limbs to him and your lips to him and your ears to him and your eyes to him to surrender all these and say, God, fill me, fill me, fill me full. And this is Paul's prayer for the people here again in verse 19, that you would know the know this love. Verse 18, I'll go back to that, that you might have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. You know, there are challenges in life. Uh, there, there are things in front of me today that, that in some ways seem so large and so big, and how can this ever happen? And there are things perhaps in your life that are like that, negative things or positive things or opportunities, uh, setbacks, all of those things. But to, to say in the midst of it all, God, I just want you to fill me with you. I want you to fill my thoughts with you. Now, now, when God is at work in our thoughts, we can think clearly about all kinds of things. We can think clearly about our jobs. We can think clearly about our relationships. Uh, we can think clearly about our future. We can think clearly about just fill in the blank. God enables us to think clearly it isn't that we're so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. I, I believe that it's entirely possible we're so earthly minded we're of no heavenly good. I, I, I believe that can run both directions. And so in the midst of walking on this sod, on this earth, that you and I would have the desire to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I'm going to take us to another passage here. I want us to see something. I mean, to be full of God. Um, in the fullness of God has Christian definition that we find here uh, in the scriptures. Peter says this in Second Peter chapter one about this fullness. Verse three says this: His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. As we get to know God more and more, we find that we have everything we need, not just to uh, successfully live this life, but also to live life in a godly way. It says through these, what these, through these, his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. There's an old hymn 
for those that know him, standing on the promises of God. He has given us promises to stand on so, so that by these precious promises, we might we might participate, or, or I'm getting my word, my letters all mixed up there, my, my vowels. Uh, through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. To participate in the divine nature. Friends, that you and I, it isn't that we become God because God is God and we are not. But we get to participate in the divine nature in that he takes up his abode in us. I take us back to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Uh, verses 9 and 10. Bottom of the page says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Again, it doesn't make us God, but we have fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Friend, you don't have to allow a power or authority to hold sway over you today. Don't let the the enemy win. Do not let the demonic win. Do not let the flesh win when we have the fullness in Christ. Now, the flesh can reveal itself in the words we say. Our flesh can reveal itself in the attitudes that we give off. Uh, the, the flesh can, can reveal itself through anger and angst and all kinds of ways, but, but we want God to live in us fully, to to dwell in us entirely, that he would fill us, that he would control us, that he would direct us. Now, let me take us back over to Ephesians 3 uh, and work our way down to the conclusion of this passage. It says, again, let me just read this because I think it is so good. I pray, verse 17, uh, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. And then he concludes with these two verses. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is one of these uh, benediction prayers that, that we could pray. There, there are a few different uh, benediction prayers. There's one here in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. There's also one over in in 1 Timothy, uh, a great benediction prayer. But And this isn't meant just to be a benediction prayer, a little nicety that gets stated. It is it is far, far more than, than just some like little benediction, some nicety. Uh, Paul means what he says to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. You know, that we would be looking for God to do immeasurably more. Sometimes we we get in the way of God doing immeasurably more because we're unwilling to take a step. Uh, we, we, are, we are taking some steps. Uh, Wendy and I are trying to take some steps and trust in God to do something immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. 
because it will be the work of God to accomplish some of the things that we are working at with with some help of uh, some dear friends, uh, uh, giving guidance and some coaching and help along the way. Uh, but for you, w- could you trust God to do more? Sometimes it, it, it's God is trying to direct us, and, and when we stand still, we can't follow. Our feet need to move. We need to take some steps, and I don't know what that step might be for you. That step might be a, a step toward the direction of, of physical health. That might be a step toward relational reconciliation. Uh, that might be a step toward uh, a new job uh, that does better for you. That might be a, a step toward some a move or, or something of that nature. You know, what is God prompting you with, or or at least what is in your own mind that you're thinking about that maybe you bring to God and say, God, how does how does my how do my desires and your will come together? Well, unless you're willing to move, unless you're willing to make the attempt, God cannot demonstrate the immensity of his love and how he wants to demonstrate his ability to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So I want to encourage you, trust him. Trust him to do immeasurably more. Be looking for him to be at work. I I was talking with someone yesterday, a friend of mine, and and, uh, he was talking about how they're in a spot in their lives where they had prayed that God would would, would make them um, more financially solvent, uh, more financially secure, so that they could be more generous. Uh, and and he was saying, you know, as I've been reflecting on this within this last year with with the businesses that that they're involved in, uh, he said, God has answered my prayer. You know, we're making more money than we've ever made. He said, now I have to evaluate my heart because as God and I talked about this, I promised to the Lord that, you know, as you bless me financially, would it be so that I could be generous? Oftentimes, God is glad to pour even more money into the hands of the generous because they're generous, not because they're greedy and holding it all on to all of it for themselves, but because uh, they are willing to release it uh, to to help others uh, altruistically, philanthropically, other ways. Uh, and, and then God begins to do immeasurably more. And, and so I reflected on that and and to realize that Wendy and I are at, at a place in life where we're working hard, but but God has blessed us. We, we have more income than we've ever had in our lives. And uh, now that... That still might be less than some people than some people make working one job forty hours a week. I get that, but I also know that that's still more than some people are making working two or three jobs a week. And we're grateful to God for what He has done. But God wants to do more, and and just just what Paul says here, He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So. As an example, they're they're looking, thinking, praying for, um, for maybe a thousand people to come to this event on Saturday night. The Faith Temple folks over here are doing their event at the Simmons Farm, you know. And I don't know if they have a dollar amount in mind. I have no idea, but that we would pray that God would do immeasurably more. 
And not only in the financial sense and, and provision uh, for, for this particular family that they're doing this event for, but even more than that, to, to see people come to faith in Christ. Do we believe God to do immeasurably more? Are we looking for God to do immeasurably more? Now, sometimes God doesn't do it in our time frame. God doesn't do it maybe in ways that we think God maybe ought to do it, but God has the ability to do immeasurably more. Can we live like this? I was talking to a young girl yesterday. Not She's not young. She's a teenager, a college sophomore. And I said, you know, I, I prayed this prayer uh, at this event actually last night uh, where they're set up the tent and tables and whatnot. And I said, I, I noted that you had posted that uh, on your Facebook or your uh, Instagram. I don't recall which one. And she said, yes, um, absolutely. She said, this this is posted uh, on the walls of the college. It's posted, I think, in, on the walls of the Christian camp that, that where she really got uh, drawn into wanting to live with Jesus and, and friends that we would have the same that we would just be looking for how God will be at work. This is good for me today. I, I, uh, I maybe, it, maybe this is for me totally today. I, I hope it's for you as well. I believe it's for you. Uh, Wendy and I are trying to take some steps and in, in things, and, and so to be looking to God to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine uh, in, in our being, in our soul, our spiritual development, but also in some of the steps we're taking because I, I think God wants us to serve him even more greatly than than we've ever served him before. But uh, there are many things that have to align for that to happen, and so we look to God. What do you need to look to God with today? Maybe it's something you can share here. Maybe it's not something you can share here, but I just encourage you. Read down through this passage again and again and again today. Get out your smartphone. If you got your Bible app, set it to Ephesians 3. Read verses 14 through 21, or you can read the entire chapter. But to think about the, the, the magnanimous nature of our magnificent God uh, and what he wants to do in your life, and not just in your life, it, it, for your own benefit. Because Paul lands the plane, and I will land the plane on this, verse 21. Why? To him be glory. That is, he does these immeasurably more things that he would get glory. He'd get glory among the saints in the church. That there would be glory uh, in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. And that what happens would, would go on generation to generation to generation and multiply. That's why we pray this prayer. That's why we hold on to these thoughts. That's why we look in these ways. Friends, I, I, I don't know how you could not be um, stirred and stimulated to uh, have, have read this passage together with me today. I, I hope that you're emboldened. I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're surrendered. I hope that you're looking uh, to what God might do, that your eyes are expectant, you know, Sometimes we don't see what God does because we don't have our eyes open. Like yesterday with my friend. I mean, my eyes were open to what God has been doing, and it's absolutely incredible. So this is our prayer today. Uh, we, we've read our prayer today. I'm not going to conclude with another prayer. This is the prayer that we would know the height, the breadth, the depth uh, of, of the love of God. 
the width, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of God, and that we would we would see God doing immeasurably more, that God would fill us with himself. That is our prayer, all for the glory of Jesus. Question asked, can we drop off donations at the church if we cannot attend? Uh, you could probably drop something off here at the church, just mark it uh, for uh, uh, Faith Temple Outreach, and we'll make sure and get that to them. Or you could just drive right on up to the farm. There, I saw one of our church folk there last night said, well, I can't come to the event, but I want to drop off a donation. So either way, we will make sure and get that to, uh, to them uh, as a means of encouragement and outreach. Friends, I'm going to let you get into your day. It has been good spending. No, I take that back. It has not been good spending today with you. It has been fantastic spending today with you looking at this absolutely incredible portion of God's Word. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you over the weekend.